You're listening to the Townsville Chamber cast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. In this episode, Townsville Chamber's CEO, Ross McLennan, sits down with Associate Professor of Economics, Ricardo Welters, and Associate Lecturer of Economics and PhD candidate, Diana Castorina. Welcome, Ross, Ricardo, and Diana. Thanks, Claire, and thank you, Ricardo, and uh, and Diana for uh, for joining me today. And I, I must admit, when I saw this recent paper, um, interregional migration, who decides to move? I thought, wow, what a what a fantastic topic. I just I, I don't have a meeting at the moment where people aren't talking about staff shortages, people shortages, trying to attract people to regions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I I thought, you know, with this paper, we can we can sort of delve a little bit into the questions of of why. Uh, people move and what are the major motivators but but actually you know what decisions we can make here as a region and community members and, and business owners can and, and hopefully help them uh, unpack some of this and, and and get more people in over the next um, decade as all of these great projects and everything for our region take off so you know I, I guess um, you're dialing in today I, I really appreciate that so if your voice does sound a little different we'll just acknowledge that from the start and Ricardo thanks for for joining me here in the um, in the studio thanks for having us so I guess yeah thank you Ross yeah, I, look, the, the first line in the report, I think, set it up beautifully. And in the opening sentence is just so powerful. The, the, the functionality of a region depends on its people um, and, of course, the people that it attracts. So I just thought that was a beautiful way to start. So, so Dan, if I can, I can start with you, what, what's your motivation for, for writing a paper like this and, and, and talking about and investigating you know, regional migration? Yeah, thank you, Ross, and, and thank you for giving us this opportunity to discuss a, a really important issue. Um, personally, I've lived in regional Australia all my life. I was born and bred in the Burdekin. Uh, I later went to Townsville for my studies. I uh, moved to the Outback and uh, also now in Cairns. So uh, all my life I've, I've lived in regional Australia and I've also uh, witnessed firsthand how push and pull factors can influence decisions that we make and at different points of our you know, life. And in doing so, I've also seen firsthand how functionalities of regions can be impacted when we don't have the very people required to sustain it. So this is really a quest to offer some solutions to these challenges and um, hence for the, uh, the research. And, and Ricardo, yourself too, obviously a, um, you're no, no stranger to, to migration and going to different places. That's right, that's right. I'm Dutch, so I moved to, to Australia in 2005. Went to Newcastle first, so close to Sydney, and you know then I could already see how you know you get these push and pull factors between Sydney and Newcastle. Uh, stayed there for two years, and then came to lovely Townsville. And so we've uh, kept you. You've kept us, yes, yes. You, you've kept, kept me, right? You kept yes. us. Well, fantastic. And I mean, I know Deanna, we're going to touch on that later on, and the, the importance of, of of actually retaining knowledge and and people in our region. So, I guess if we can sort of start to set the picture a little bit i know in the paper you you know you actually gave a, a definition of migration i thought that was really interesting because i guess for us to understand what migration is uh you know why it's measured how it's defined what data sources are typically used can you can you tell us a little bit about that like just to set the set the scene of this paper and and the things we're going to discuss yeah so when we started the research i mean we really wanted to sink our teeth into understanding you know what are the drivers but we really had to sort of get to the basics and and really unpack what we meant by migration and what we noticed is there's a lot of emphasis on the temporal aspect of it so you know how long have they been living where they are and and then when they move how long are they living into the the, the new destination but also spatially it's focused on you know how far 
and um, so the, the temporal and the spatial dimensions were really clear. But what we found what was lacking was the social aspect. So who is the migrant? And this is what's really given us this um, this point of focus for the research paper. So for our research, we utilised the Australian Bureau of Statistics data and looking at the definition that they utilise, it's a relatively permanent change in the usual region of residence within Australia. So we've adopted that, but we've identified a gap and that is descent, you know, the social uh, dimension to understanding whom is the migrant. Yeah, right. And, and I guess... I know you had to. Uh, you almost had to make your own terminology up to 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 actually uh, express and explain this different um, structure that you're talking about. I know uh, in some of the earlier papers they talk about the household or the family unit and how they they moved around. You you had to move away from that. You I, I guess you termed it the decision making unit, um, but you also then had to even make additions to that things like. You know, were they in the defence? Were they in mining? Were they in education? What were their education levels, uh, et cetera, et cetera? You know, were they um, a denomination of a certain religion even? So t- tell us a little bit about how you had to um, look at that and, and actually get a new bit of terminology to, to actually expand your research or, or define your research. Yeah, so with our research, we, we had to look at the theory. Um, and when we were looking at it, much of the neoclassical economic theory was focusing on the individual. Uh, they saw migration really being an investment, much like if you're investing in your education, um, you might incur a cost now, but it, the idea is there's a betterment you know, that you'll, uh, in, you know, that you'll have in the future. And then it started to evolve and it started to look at family. Um, but we felt that the definitions of family were really restricted. There was reference to being a biological and marital relationship. And that really didn't fit uh, to today's you know, social structures, that being that you had to be biologically related and that you needed to be in a marriage. Um, so we highlight these issues in the paper. And so we started to think, OK, well, is it a household? And then we looked at the Australian Bureau of Statistics definition. We looked at other definitions. But again, in this context, you didn't have to have any relationship. I mean, you could be boarding with each other. And we felt that wasn't really uh, representative of the unit that we that we wanted to look at. We were trying to represent a cohesive unit where there was this sort of interrelation, you know, this relationship between the members that made up that unit. And that's what give, you know gave us the rise of, of the need to, uh, to have a, our own terminology, which is this decision-making unit. Obviously, the challenge then was how do we represent all the different people that compromise this cohesive group of persons and that's where we start to bring in all these different types of variables which are trying to describe the characteristics of the decision making unit and then I guess that's where we we bring in some really great new novel ways of describing education levels amongst many people also looking at the income of all that make up that unit we look at the age of the eldest we look at defence, if anyone's in defence. We also bring in a, a, um, a religious affiliation uh, variable as well to represent do people identify as being religious or not. And so that was really one of the challenges of, of this paper. So I guess I guess what, what, what we're trying to do, I mean, if we bring it back to Townsville, huh? yeah. like a city like Townsville, you're trying to understand, okay, how can we attract people? Yep. So if you want to attract people, you need to know who makes that decision, actually, uh, within the household or the family. So 
when you go back to research 20, 30 years ago, oh yeah, it was the head of the breadwinner, uh, the breadwinner idea. So we can convince that person, the male, typically the male, if you can convince that person, well, then we can attract that person to Townsville. But things have changed, of course, in the last 30 years. It's not just one person. There's probably two people earning an income. There's ki kids. There might be even uh, grandfather, grandpa, grandma might be in that family. So we started to think, okay, so who makes that decision? It's probably not one person. So we want to talk about this decision-making unit. So that's what we did, and that's what, what, what we did, what Diana did. Um, and then I guess... The thing that was really difficult and, and, and which Diana's not talking about is there's an enormous amount of work going into getting the data in the right structure because when you're using census data, it's not made for a decision-making unit. It's individual data. So Diana spent an awful lot of time in restructuring the data that she had to be able to conduct the analysis at that decision-making unit level. So that's what she did. As, and, you know, you wouldn't see that in the paper because it's all in the background. <coughs> but that's also what makes it so difficult for people, for researchers, but also for, for, for public policy yeah. people to actually use the data. Because the data, I at this stage, the data isn't made for a decision-making unit analysis. And Ricardo, you, you had a, a bit of an interesting point too. A bit of this research was done obviously pre-COVID as well. So have you got something to sort of add there? Well, that's right. We're using the census data and the census data that's pre-COVID. Huh? We're still waiting for the for the latest census to come out, and and so we can't pick up any any effects of COVID uh, in in this space. Um, so we can only you know hypothesize a bit on what 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 COVID might have done, and and of course, COVID has 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 highlighted that you're better off in a, in a, in a regional city, less sparsely populated region than in a, than in a. Uh, in a metropolitan area, so that's you know that's a cutting edge, that's an edge for us, I guess, mm. in, in this region. Uh, so so that's that's one thing I wanted to say about that. And 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 secondly, because of COVID, we've all learned to work from home or work remotely, right? And and it works for some occupation. Uh, clearly, it doesn't work for others. Uh, blue collar work that's not going to work. But you know, some of the white collar jobs you can do that. So. If, if we're thinking about attracting a decision-making unit to Townsville and we're saying, okay, we need two jobs, well, maybe we actually need one. And because if the person who lives in Sydney, if they can just come to Townsville but hang on to their Sydney job and work remotely and can still be as productive as, as, uh, as, as, uh, as, as if they were in Sydney, well, then that's fine. That's fine. It's also, it's also going to work for that, for that family member because they have a Sydney wage in Townsville where the cost of living is lower. So in terms of purchasing power, they actually get ahead. So that's 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 an opportunity out there. So it, it won't work for for every family. No. Uh, it depends on the occupation you're in. But we've s seen in the last few months, years, that for certain occupations, working remotely can be as productive as working near uh, the place where you are. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really valid point and, and obviously you know, living here, we're already seeing these. Uh, mm. th we, we termed them Vespers there early mm. in the COVID uh, thing, virus escapees seeking provincial Australia. But um, the you, you're dead right. Like, and and I guess it's just us having a conscious uh, awareness that to answer that question, that that blocker when the that decision making unit is is making the decision. So, and, oh no, we can do that, or we can do this, or did you know we were a, a 
um, one of the original cities that MBN was rolled out in. So we've got mm. good, you know, those, those sorts of things. So just, just having that subconscious and having that uh, in your mind. And, um, you know, I, I don't do many podcasts without referring to payroll tax either. So it's another reason to get rid of that if we're going to have these migratory workforces around mm. the country. So, yeah, no, excellent point, Ricardo. Yeah. So what we found, just like Diana said, is we found that, well, let's see, we found that, um, you know, decision-making units, so not necessarily one person, but that whole unit, right, with, um, with degrees, so with higher education, they're more likely to move. Um, there's more concentrate if there's more concentration of education that raises the chance of moving huh? so if there's only one person who's got education and not two because that makes it more complex because you might be looking for two jobs if you move instead of one um, and we found that uh, you know people with strong ties in the region are also less likely to move which you would expect I guess yeah, and I know, Deanna, we had a bit of a chat about this the other day, and I, I loved your optimism with it because you sort of flipped that on its head and said, yeah, but once we get them here, we've got to concentrate on these other things to make sure they don't leave. And I, I, I really want to hone in on that towards the end of the podcast when we start giving some of these solutions. But so uh, I actually, I, you know, concurring with you, Ricardo, when I was reading the paper, I was like, wow, like they've, they've, you really had to go to a lot of trouble here because, you know, censuses, you know, if someone's not born or someone dies, you've got to eliminate all of that sort of stuff structure as well then and then I know you break it down I think to a six-year uh, period and then it didn't it didn't actually correlate if, if, if something else happened to something so yeah I think Deanna that's the that's the beauty of this this sort of work is is you are working outside of the norms because you're trying to answer a question that's that really is complex but yeah if we can bring it back to Townsville and you know the business community or, or civic leaders here that that, that that are aspiring to bring people in here um, could you could you give us a bit of an outline? Like I know it's a tough question, but you know you've got to have a different strategy bringing a single person or a single de um, decision making unit here for a particular role. Then you do in in fact for a family and and or or, or, a fa or not a family unit decision making unit. Sorry, an educated one. <laughs> and so so when uh, as an employer or, or as a region we're thinking about this, what what we really need to be doing is almost changing our tact, depending on who we're trying to attract. Yes, and and look, I think what happens is. We look at a skill shortage and we're trying to fill that skill shortage. So, you know, as a local government area or business, we'll identify the vacancy, we try to fill the position. And when we do so, we often just narrow our view to thinking of it as an individual that we're trying to attract. And secondly, we'll, we'll typically sort of rely on, you know, monetary incentives that will attract them. Now, it's not to say that those economic uh, indicators aren't important, and they may be more important for individuals than it may be for, let's say, you know, a decision-making unit that has multiple people that compromise that, that unit. What economic, does, uh, economic theory does tell us is that if you're highly educated, you might be able to see opportunities better, okay? So you start to evaluate those opportunity costs of staying and, and whether you should move and you might see that as a, a career progression to do so and, and so in that case it may be that's the economic uh, factors which are going to you know pull them for decision making units that have multiple people that are compromising that uh, unit it may be other social factors that will uh, attract them to come so do we have enough schooling do we have a tertiary sector do we have adequate 
hospitals, allied health services. So it starts to actually, the push and pull factors become far more complex with more you know, people that we have within that decision-making unit. We need to be able to cater to multiple needs, not just uh, an individual. So in that case, you really want to highlight some of those uh, yeah, capitals that we've got, you know, whether it's built capital such as the hospitals, the education services and so on, or, or some of those social um, capitals that we might have, such as our, you know, we've got a great sporting community there in, in, in Townsville uh, and other cultural capitals that may attract these people. Yeah, and I know because um, I know when we had a, dis- a conversation about this even last year, there was uh, someone that was trying to get someone up here and, and, and the decision was no because they didn't think Townsville had private schools. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter what the the wage packet is or anything like that, or even worse, they would fly in and fly out to, to, to maybe complete that role and, and, and leave the rest of the decision-making unit from, you know, where they are. Um, so I guess uh, now that we've done a little bit of this, uh, you know, research, I guess, or, or breaking down mm. this data and trying to actually understand what, what's going on a little bit better... How can we, as a as a community or as a region or even an employer, I guess, start to think about, um, you know, what are the, some of the things we can really start honing in on to, to, to lift up our success rate, I guess, of attracting people here to the region? I think we've got a profile council. Uh, in terms of a, of a business, if you're trying to attract a particular a person, um, try to try to broaden your view of what you're of of whom you're attracting. So. In this instance, it may be that you've got someone who's highly educated that you're, you're requiring the skill set of, but also start to extend that and think, well, can you know, can we advertise that there are other job opportunities so that both people within that decision-making unit can have jobs? And then also, you know, take stock of what Townsville has. I mean, highlight the education services that we do have, highlight the private schools, highlight the hospitals and the medical care that we, we can offer, this is really going to be important in terms of them having the information available on hand to make a decision whether or not it's worth to make that move. I think I just want to add to that. I mean, I, I totally agree with what Diana says there. Um, it's not only about availability of services huh, like uh, university or education or, or, or health. It's also about affordability. Uh, cost of living, I mean, it's the big thing in the election campaign at the moment. I was looking earlier this week, I was looking at cost of living differences between capital cities and townsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see there something like childcare, it is significantly cheaper in townsville. So it's more affordable here. So even if we're thinking about attracting someone from Sydney, you would say, okay, maybe your, your wages are lower here. Yeah, it might be true, but the affordability is much higher. So in terms of purchasing power, you might not go backwards. Mm. You might actually go forwards. Right, and so it's not only about what is available; what's also what is affordable, yeah? and we're not doing too badly here in this region. And I guess that's a really complex thing to try and um, articulate on a one sheet or in a five-minute conversation um, with someone. But it's it's you know at least we're starting that conversation. I know with this podcast we get just as many listeners in in Melbourne and Sydney as we do here in um, in Townsville. So it's a good time to start uh, educating them or talking to them directly about how how our, our cost of living. And I know personally, you know, I lived lived in Canada, lived in England, lived lived in multiple other places after I left here. And, you know, when my wife and I came back, we wanted to raise a family. And, yeah, I could I could 
buy a house here. I could uh, I could earn a, a good wage here, and you know we've got three kids in schools and, and in and in daycare, so I can concur with that. And and when we do talk to our our peers and friends in in the capital cities, it it really is night and day between what we're paying and and what they're paying, and and even what we're earning to a, to a larger extent. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess that's the, the the difficult part of the conversation is actually articulating that on a on a on an ad or a spreadsheet or, or something. But as an employer, I, you did hone in on one thing there, Deanna. I thought we should talk a little bit more about is is other opportunities as well. Like I know as an employer, you sort of got I need this role filled. I need this. I need this skill set. I need all of those things. But are you actually thinking of do you have a, a sister company or another or another organization that maybe have a slightly different role that that you could potentially uh, eliminate that anxiety of someone coming here if their partner couldn't get work you know so reaching out and making those contacts maybe with with other sectors that that may have other roles and other availabilities and make that package easy for someone um, when you do get that that first contact or that first interview or they're they're up here having a look at the region for the first time yeah, look, definitely. And I think um, that's what we're really trying to highlight and that's what our our modelling is indicating is that we could look at the individual and certainly it's much more easier if you're an individual to just move somewhere. Uh, you only have to look at what you're giving up. But when you start to increase the number of people that you know make up that particular unit, you have to consider all the costs that they are also going to incur if they decide to move. And that may be that the partner's got a job and they are going to have to, you know, give up or forgo their job. So if we can extend that and start to say, well, look, there's a position here, but there's also opportunities in these other areas for your partner, well, suddenly we start to diffuse some of those costs or concerns that they may have had. So you start to broaden and widen the possibilities that businesses have to tap into other um, other people rather than just looking at it from just a point of view of an individual yeah so when you're advertising that next role maybe put the uh the other roles that uh some of your sister businesses or colleagues or or, or, or even just to show that they're you know it mightn't be the perfect role for that person but it just highlights the fact that there are other opportunities up here because our our skill shortage and our labor shortage at the moment is so diverse like i have cafe owners coming in and telling me they can't get staff and i have the university saying they can't get like the the, the spectrum is 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 a, in is insane yeah so i i i love the fact that how you've done the research Deanna, but you also talked about you know these are the hard groups to pull out and it's almost like the low-hanging fruit you get the uh the the single young person to move here um, because they're the easiest, but but hey, they're the easiest ones to leave your region as well. So if you do the hard work and get um, some of these, um, I guess, decision-making units with complexity, you get them here, That it's probably going to be less likely that they move again. But can you talk a little bit about what are the things that actually stop people from from leaving? And But I, I guess for our listeners, we can flip that on its head a little bit and say, well, let's think about Townsville and make sure we've got all those things so actually when we do attract someone, um, they, they don't leave. Yeah, so this paper is actually just one of at least three that we've, we've got in the pipeline. And in our other research that we're looking at, we bring in the regional characteristics. So in this paper, we're, we're focusing more on these sort of demographic characteristics and modelling those. But once we start to pull in the regional characteristics, we start to look at, okay, who's moving and then who's not? And... Looking at who's not, we identified it was the social 
capital. So we use this religion um, variable, which is basically looking at if they're affiliated with a religion. But we also look at that in terms of, you know, across the whole region. And they typically tend to stay. They're not as mobile. They, they tend to stay. So what that tells us, uh, basically, the more embedded we are in a community, the harder it becomes to move and sever those ties, okay, because there's greater consequences of doing so. So I guess the key here is that if we can attract these people, get them into the community, how do we get them involved so that it makes it really difficult for them to then move? They establish themselves, not only as an individual, but their whole decision-making unit, the children, you know, the partners and so on are really embedded into that community. And I, I guess we've the word religion here is used as the as the part of the decision making unit, but but this could be a, a surf club, a a, uh, a footy club, the marbles, the That's bridge right. the bridge That's club. Right. That's couldn't right. Couldn't it? So the religious Definitely. component here is just is just a, a a proxy for social capital. Yes, it correct. Could have been anything. Yeah. That's right. It's nothing to do. With In religion. fact. Yeah, in fact, we even looked at volunteering and, and, and it's the same same sort of result. So essentially, uh, we're basically trying to represent this sort of connection to a society or, or a community. Yeah, fantastic. And I know, um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, as soon as you start volunteering and you cook the barbecue or you do something, yeah, you, you, you get more social capital, then someone says, oh, you should be the treasurer of that uh, of that sporting <laughs> club. And then all of a sudden you're the president for 26 years and, uh, and you've got no, um, got no hair left or all your hair's turned grey. So that's the, that's the beauty of it. So, um, yeah, so when, when we do get those, uh, the, I guess, the harder groups in, it's, it's really important then for employers to think about is, is you know, oh, do you, do you know that we've, we've got an AFL club here if they're from Victoria? Oh, do you know if we've got a... Um, uh, whatever it is to to try and immerse them in the community yeah absolutely yeah so um, is there anything sort of else that um, I I know you said you're writing another paper um, yeah and you're you're obviously adding to this uh, three three papers is that wow that's uh it's fantastic is there anything else you wanted to sort of add into that or 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 any suggestions or or any I guess other things you wanted to touch on before we before we wrap up I think you made a point there, Ross, actually, what you were discussing before, which was in regards to, you know, you might have people who come to Townsville, but they don't live in Townsville. And quite often we can see that happening. And and what we find, there is this long distance commuting, which can replace migration. So this next pa- paper that we're, we're hoping to release, it actually looks at that. And, it, and we try to disentangle long distance migrants compared to people who are just you know, mobile. They're just sort of moving in between um, neighbouring areas. So that's that's going to be the next thing in the pipeline for us to release. And um, we could we'd love to be back and talk a little bit more about that. But that will uh, you know start to sort of define at what point uh, do people find it? No, this is just too far to commute, and we're going to make that decision to sever our social ties and leave that particular community they're in to go to another one. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, once again, it all works both ways, but it's just absolutely critical when, and I, I know going back a, a, a number of mayors now, I can remember going to speeches, you know, about when they were redeveloping the Strand or they were um, doing Riverway uh, out in the, the then Tharangau. It was, the, the whole piece was around, we used to have a very migratory um, workforce here, you know, the, the executive or the high-powered job would come up, they'd work there three or four days or five days, and then they'd fly back to Brisbane because the family unit or the decision-making unit was still there at school or something like that. So it was all about 
beautifying the city, if you like, to to make sure that when when the partner came up here, they they saw, oh look, they've got this, they've got that, and 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 I guess you know we all know what it's like up here but we've got to remember we've got to keep telling people keep reminding people about our lifestyle and our cost of living and 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 how good it is here we um you know you can scoot around to all the beach and the cbd and the stadium and all of that sort of stuff yeah i think we, we've got that local knowledge and i think we have to be mindful that people from elsewhere such as melbourne or out of state might not have that knowledge so we've got to do the best that we can to, to be able to sell those those um really attractive points yeah, so I, I guess in wrapping up, there was just one thing uh, in the report that I was a little bit concerned about, uh, and it was right towards the back, uh, Dana, and it was all about um, there was a higher ratio of migratory people to areas where people were good looking. Mm. Uh, now, could you just, I, I know, you know, we're, we do podcasts for a reason and, and they're not on YouTube and it's no reflection on you, Ricardo. You've only done, you've only done one here in the studio, but it's probably a bit of a reflection on it. Do we all have to be good looking to attract people? Is that just a myth or are we all going to go to the Scandinavian countries tomorrow? Uh, that's actually referring to some research, which is looking at, we can have people who are in, in the arts and, and they can tend to attract people such as doctors and other professions coming to, to a region. So the, the attractive people climate, it, it, it refers to sort of this bohemian uh, climate and, and something which Ricardo is also very uh, familiar with in, in his research. Okay, so it's not just the, uh, it's just not good looks. There's a bit of culture and good food and wine and, and uh, nice buildings and all that to go with that, Ricardo. Certainly, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, look, I, I really appreciate you coming in. And, I, and to be honest, I'd love to delve into the next paper. I think it's so topical at the moment. It's so relevant. Uh, and, you know, if, if our employers or our community leaders can take just a little bit out of this and, and, you know, maybe think a little bit different at their next meeting about how they're going to attract someone, but, but just as important how they're going to get them immersed in our community so they, so they don't move on. I think you've made some, some really fantastic findings here. And I, I congratulate you on all your, all your hard work. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ross. Thanks for having us. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Townsville Chambercast. Remember to subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released.